My name is Greg Kodrowski, and this is my podcast, Theology 101. I like to study the Bible, and I don't think the Bible is really that difficult to understand. For the most part, it's really pretty simple, and simple is better. So if you're like me, and you want to know more about the Bible, or if you just want to hear more about the Bible, stick around. And if you want to know more about me or check out my pedigree, Google me or visit my website, theology101.net. We are talking about discipleship. Discipleship, it's one of those great buzzwords of the modern church. You know, it's like robust. I thought robust had to do with coffee until I subscribed to some theological journals, and now I know robust refers to theology, robust, and discipleship. It's like casting a vision and life coaching and mentor. It's one of those uh, words and terms we hear thrown around all the time, and sometimes we have no clue about what it means. You hear people in church, and they talk about, hey, this is my disciple. And then they ask you, do you have a disciple? Where's your disciple? Folks, I'd like to say if we have my disciple and your disciple, we've failed. We have incredibly failed in what God wants us to do. Um, So think about this. As we start our journey together, okay, that's another one of those buzzwords, and I know about half of y'all just turned me off. Um, Journey. Journey is a group from, what, the 70s or the 80s? Was that when it was? I think I was in junior high. Anyway, doesn't it bother you? Now, when we talk about discipleship, obviously discipleship is a word that's not mentioned in the Bible. Discipling, the verb, is not something that's mentioned in the Bible. The term we see mentioned in the Bible is disciple. And I'm, I just want to just mention this, going to throw it out there uh, so that everybody who wants to point fingers and say, hyper-dispensationalist, they can go ahead and get that out of their system. Doesn't it bother you that disciple is not mentioned in the Bible after the book of Acts? I mean, I mean, seriously. Now, I made a joke. I made a joke. I'm not a hyper-dispensationalist. I know some people like to point the finger and say, eh, hyper-dispensationalist. And I'll... Now, Paul, in his writings, Paul, the apostle that God rose up, sent out to to the Gentile nations, Paul, he never once mentions disciple, disciples, in all of his epistles to the churches. Paul never mentioned once this word in all of his epistles to church leaders in his pastoral epistles. And yet, discipleship is all over the landscape of the modern church. Uh, So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, look, if we want to use the term discipleship, that's fine. That's good. And I I do, I mean, obviously I do. We've talked about our purpose in life, being to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And then we talked about, well, what do we need to do in order to fulfill that purpose? And we need to be and make disciples. So obviously, folks, obviously. I believe in discipleship. Obviously, I think we need to be disciples. Obviously, I think we need to be making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. But because Paul doesn't mention this word once, and Paul's our apostle, I really think we need to pay close attention to what the Bible says about discipleship so we can do what the Bible tells us to do today in the church age with regard to to discipleship.
So we're going to talk about discipleship. We've, we've started out with a couple of uh, introductory messages. Like I said, we talked about our purpose. We've seen that our purpose in, in, in creation, that God has created us, he's placed us here to glorify him and enjoy him forever. I think that's wonderful. Um, and then we asked ourselves, you know, if I'm here to glorify God and enjoy him forever, what do I need to do? in order to fulfill that purpose. And we we looked closely at the concept in John 17, 4, where Jesus Christ praying the, the great uh, prayer to the Father right before he goes to the cross, and he says, I've glorified thee on earth. How did he do that? He says, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And so, how do we glorify God on earth? And if we glorify God on earth, obviously we are going to be enjoying God on earth. If we glor- How do we glorify God on earth? We finish the work he gave us to do. What's that work he gave us to do? Because Ephesians 2.10 says we're created in Jesus Christ to do some works, and then Ephesians 4.11 and 12 says we're perfected through the, the ministry of the local church, perfected, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, through the learning and application of Scripture. We're perfected to do the work of the ministry. Well, what's our work of ministry? Well, it's to be and make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now for the hyper-dispensationalist, Okay, I know that that term doesn't sit well. Be and make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. The hyper-dispensationalist, even somebody who's kind of sort of tilted toward hyper-dispensationalism, okay, might say, well, Paul never mentioned disciples or making disciples, so why would we want to use that term? I'd like to simply say that we see that term, disciples, used during the time of the ministry of the Apostle Paul during the book of Acts. So we at least need to understand what that term means. If you want to use that term in your ministry or not, that's up to you. But our work is the work of being and making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have patience with me, I want to explain that. I want to open up the Bible. I want to talk about this term, the work, our mission, what we commonly refer to as discipleship. It's a buzzword. I know that. It's irritating. I know that. Just like robust and casting a vision and life coaching and mentor and journey. It's irritating sometimes because people don't use the term in a a biblical fashion. So here is, is why we're here. Why do we exist? Why are we breathing air? Why do we have local churches? We are here to fulfill the mission to do the work that God gave us to do, be and make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means we're committed to both what? Evangelism and edification. That means we need to be saved and sanctified. Through evangelism, a disciple is made in the sense of created. We're saved. And then through edification, a disciple is made in the sense of being molded. We're sanctified, or we grow in sanctification. Now, together, evangelism and edification, being saved and growing in sanctification, that's what we refer to as discipleship, because that's Luke 6.40. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Discipleship, this combination of evangelism and edification, is the work God expects us to do on this earth in order to glorify him and enjoy him forever. So as we start this podcast, as we start this talk about disciple, what is a disciple? I think it's really important to understand 
that we're not talking about just doing more church activities. To be a disciple is to learn to live as the Master Jesus Christ wants us to live. And he gave us some very clear instructions in the New Testament writings about how he wants us to do that. Those instructions form the body of what is called the law of Christ. Folks, in Christ, we don't follow the law of Moses. The law of Moses was given to the nation of Israel, to the nation of Israel only. It was never given to the Gentiles. And I don't know about you and your heritage. Okay, my last name is Kodrovsky. My family came from Russia. I think some of them came from Romania. But my name, my heritage, it comes from... I'm not a Jew. I'm not an Israelite. The, the, The law of Moses was not given to me as a Gentile. And even more so, the Bible says that in Christ, we're dead to the law, the law of Moses. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law of Moses. It has no more power over us. And so along with the finger of hyper-dispensationalism being pointed at someone who says things like this, there's also the finger of antinomianism, the against lawism, anti, against, nomian, lawism, ism, antinomianism, against the law. And so when somebody says, look, we're not under the law of Moses, people just pitch a fit and they throw their hands up and say, oh, you're an antinomian, antinomianist, you're an against the lawist. No, we're not. No, I'm not. There's a new law because there's a new economy. There's a new thing that God is doing today in Christ. We have the law of Christ, a new law in Christ. And we see that law, what God expects of us, what Jesus Christ expects of us as as Christians, as followers of him, as his disciples, he the master, we the disciples. He has given us certain imperatives, commandments in the New Testament. Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do that. These imperatives, these commandments, the law of Christ, it it encompasses every area of life, our marriages, our parenting, our jobs, so many other things. We're talking about learning the Bible and doing what it tells us. So when when we talk about discipleship and to use another buzzword, here it comes, okay, here it comes, when we unpack discipleship, don't you love that? You and I, we're on a journey to unpack discipleship and cast a robust vision for life coaching and mentorship that means absolutely nothing. Look, folks, all we want to do is open up the Bible and find out what the Bible says. I'm not your authority. You're not my authority. The authority is the Lord Jesus Christ, and his words speak authoritatively to us in our lives. So, Let's talk about that. We're not talking about church activities. When we talk about discipleship, this podcast, the next one, the next couple, three or four, folks, I want you to get your, get your mind away from the modern understanding of, hey, you know what? Discipleship is a new members class. No, no, no. Oh, discipleship? Yeah, I did that. 
I went through that that course of study. No. I mean, we, we, we talk about, oh, I've been through discipleship one, I've been through discipleship two, I've been through this discipleship and that discipleship, and I got a certification, I got a diploma, and look at me, I've been discipled. No! Folks, if being a disciple is following the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be like Him in character and conduct, then discipleship has a whole lot more to do with our lives than just church activities. We're talking about following Jesus Christ as his disciples. We're talking about learning of him, learning what he desires for us to be and to do, and putting all of that into practice daily. So that is what I want to study. I want to open up the Bible. I want to talk about what the Bible says about discipleship. We need to know what discipleship is. We need to know who is responsible for discipleship. How should we be doing discipleship? Where does discipleship happen? When does it happen? Because some say it happened in Jesus' day. It's for the Jews, but it's not for us in our dispensation because Paul never mentions it. And then why? Why should we pour so much effort and resources into discipleship. So here's my contention, my thesis. Here's what I'd like to say. If we do not understand discipleship, we do not understand our mission in life. And if we don't understand our mission in life, we will never fulfill our purpose here on earth. So what does the Bible say about discipleship, and where do we start in order to understand discipleship? Well, if discipleship refers to to being and making disciples, then a good place to start would be with the term disciple. Because like I said before, the Bible doesn't mention discipleship or discipling. Those are terms we invented to refer to concepts of being a disciple. So what's a disciple? What does the Bible say about disciples? And that's what I'd like to talk about during this podcast. So the question, what is a disciple? It can be answered pretty easily. You want to know what a disciple is? Folks, a disciple is a Christian. Yep, that's it. Disciple is a saved believer. But I think that that answer needs a little bit more explanation. So let's turn our attention to the Bible, and let's think about this term disciple as it's used in Scripture. Now, First question, first point, how do we define what a disciple is? Well, we need to observe biblical passages that mention disciple and disciples, and we need to observe those passages in their proper context. Now, that means we need to take a few things into account when we approach the Bible to see how Scripture defines a disciple. Now, there's three things here regarding context, a context about what a disciple is that I want to mention before we delve into more specifics about the passages of Scripture that mention disciples. First, we're going to talk about a transition, then we're going to talk about a dispensational change, and then we're going to talk about the twelve. Okay, just briefly, let me touch on these. Transition. Some terms and concepts of discipleship went through a transition during Jesus' earthly ministry. 
we could say they evolved during Jesus' earthly ministry. What do I mean by that? When Jesus Christ began his earthly ministry, he started with a known concept of discipleship. Just think about this. As you've read through the, the, the Gospels, one of the first people that, that shows up on the scene is John the Baptist. And the Bible speaks of the disciples of John the Baptist. We also know the Pharisees played a, a large part in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. He's often pointing at them for, for doing, the th- doing things the wrong way. But the Pharisees, even they had disciples. The Romans during that time had various forms of discipleship. So when the Lord Jesus Christ, he shows up on the scene, he begins his earthly ministry of three and a half years. He did not invent discipleship when he showed up to begin that earthly ministry. He took a known concept that was already in practice, and then he changed it, he transformed it into what he wanted. So Jesus took a known concept of discipleship. He molded it over his three-year ministry. He formed it into what he wanted to remain. For example, at the beginning of the Gospels, at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, we can see that the word disciple refers to even the most casual follower of Jesus. You know, people might, they might one day or one week or one month be followers of of the Pharisees, and then they get interested in the teachings of John the Baptist. Okay, so they're followers of John the Baptist, and then now Jesus shows up, and he's the popular one, so now they're followers of Jesus. Look, you see this in John chapter 6. Many of these casual followers who were called disciples, they left when the teaching made them uncomfortable. John chapter 6, verse 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples. Now, note, they're called his disciples. These are just casual followers. We're not talking about the 12. There's a multitude of these folks. There's a bunch of them. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And then later in verse 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So at the beginning of this transition, when when Jesus grabbed this this concept of discipleship and, and began to have followers, a lot of those followers were just casual followers. They were followers who maybe thought it was interesting. He might be the Messiah. He was healing people. He was doing some cool stuff. So yeah, let's let's follow him. But when it became difficult, it says many of his disciples left. So there were many people who called themselves disciples who were no more than just casual followers. So that's at the beginning. That's in the Gospels. But when we go over to the book of Acts, we see that the term disciple has solidified into something that's different. It's something more specific, and it's used almost exclusively, if not entirely exclusively, to refer to what we would call today Christians. Okay, compare with me, and I'm going to read them to you if you're driving your car or working out. Don't worry about looking it up. Look, I'll read them to you. Acts chapter 4, verses, verse 32, and then Acts chapter 6, verse 2. 
Okay, It talks about a multitude of believers. We're going to see the same word used, multitude. It says a multitude and then a multitude. Acts 4.32, Acts 6.2. In Acts 4.32, the Bible says, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, one soul, neither said any of them uh, neither said any of them that aught of the things that which he possessed was his own, but they all had all things in common. Okay, the multitude of, of who? Of them that believe. They're the believers. They're the committed followers. But yet in Acts chapter 6, we, say, we see this same multitude in verse 2. And listen to what the Bible says about what this multitude is. It says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So why is this important? Why is it important to understand that a transition took place in this concept of disciples and discipleship from the time that Jesus began his earthly ministry until we see this this ministry of the disciples in the book of Acts? Why is that important? Well, it helps us to know where to go for our definitions. Look, if a lot of you I know, several of you that, that are going to listen to this podcast, you've listened to some of my other teachings. And I've always said, and I still say it, we should never go to the book of Acts for our doctrine. Why? Well, because the book of Acts is primarily a book of history, and it records the history of the transition that took place after the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. It is a transition from Israel to the church. It is a transition from primarily being focused on the Jews to a primary focus on the Gentiles. It is a transition from Peter to Paul. So, so the book of Acts is this, this, this wonderfully interesting history and record of a, of a transition that took place. And so to look to the book of Acts for doctrine is difficult to say the least. We should always grab our doctrine from doctrinal books. Romans, Ephesians, Galatians. But the problem we run into with discipleship is we don't see the word disciple mentioned after the book of Acts. So if we want to understand disciples and discipleship and discipling, we need to look at the book of Acts. A disciple in the book of Acts will look very different than a disciple in the Gospels. And we cause confusion If we read back into the Gospels, what we see in the book of Acts, I want you to think about that. This is an error. It's an exegetical fallacy. It is a Bible Bible study mistake to take what you read in one place in the Bible, in one place in history, and then read it back into another portion of the Bible in another place in history. We call that an anachronism. 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 Chronos, like chronology. Time. Anachronism. Against time. And anachronism is, is an error we make applying something wrongly in the chronology of events in history. We make a very grave mistake 
by reading back into the Gospels what we understand as true in the time of the church. And in the book of Acts, like I said, it's a transition. We see the beginning of the church. We see the church born through this the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And we also see the tapering off of God's work among his people Israel. But the book of Acts, after the, the transition that took place in the use and the concept of disciples, after this, this concept of discipleship had evolved to what Jesus wants, the book of Acts will give us a much more clear picture of what Jesus wanted in his form of discipleship than we'll ever see in the Gospels. Because in the Gospels, a transition is taking place. In Acts, we see the finished product. In Acts, we see the finished product of discipleship as Jesus wanted it. In the Gospels, we have to be careful because Jesus' discipleship model was still a work in progress. He's still molding it and forming it into this concept that we see later become solidified after his ascension in the book of Acts. So the first thing we need to take into consideration is we study discipleship in the New Testament and observe what is happening in the history recorded in the, in the Bible is the transition discipleship went through during the time of the Gospels. Jesus took a known concept of discipleship at the beginning of his earthly ministry, and he changed it and molded it over the course of three and a half years, making it what we see in the finished product of discipleship in the book of Acts. And that takes us to the second point here, the second thing we need to take into account if we want to put discipleship in its proper context, and that's the dispensations. Now, there's a lot we could say about dispensations, talking about the Gospels and the book of Acts. We're not going to do that. I want to touch on one small aspect, one very small aspect, but very important. Acts chapter 2 marks a major dispensational shift in Scripture, especially in this context of discipleship and disciples. I want you to think about this. Before Acts chapter 2, Jesus Christ was physically present on the earth for his disciples to follow. He was present for people to see. They could see him, hear his words, see how he interacted with people. They could physically follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, even then, only a few select individuals were actually following him around full-time, and that's important, too. Don't miss this, that the majority of Christ's disciples did not follow him full-time, like the Twelve. Most had jobs and other responsibilities in life and in the house, and they followed him whenever they could. But even so, before Acts chapter 2, they could always go down by, by Galilee, or they could go into Jerusalem and the temple, and they could see Jesus Christ healing people and preaching and teaching. They could follow him physically. But after Acts chapter 1, Christ is not here physically on the earth. Christ is spiritually present in all of his disciples, and we follow him in more of a figurative sense. Why? Because we follow him through Scripture. We don't follow him around physically anymore. And so, if we simply take this one dispensational aspect of Christ's presence 
a disciple will look very different before Acts chapter 2 when compared to a disciple after Acts chapter 2. So again, our most clear picture of a disciple today in the church age will be found in the book of Acts, not in the Gospels. This is also one of the main reasons we see that the use of the term disciple, it dropped off in the book of Acts, why Paul didn't use it in his writings. Discipleship in biblical history was more of a personal lifestyle apprenticeship. So without Jesus Christ being physically on the earth, the term disciple dropped out of use. And that's why we don't talk about my disciple and your disciple today. Think about that. Jesus, when he was physically on this earth, had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. The Pharisees had disciples. And you today can have a disciple. But I want to tell you, if you have a disciple you have failed. Because you have somebody who is following you around as a lifestyle apprentice, trying to conform himself to your image in character and conduct. We are not called to make disciples of ourselves. We are not called to have disciples ourselves. That's a concept that's foreign to Scripture. Today in the church age, we are called to be and make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to talk a little more about how all this works out practically in our lives later, but just just take into account right now that there is a major change in discipleship in Acts chapter 2. Jesus is no longer physically present with some of his disciples. Jesus is now spiritually present in all of his disciples. That's a big change. It is big enough to warrant a change in terminology, to stop using the word disciple to refer to the followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we see the term discipleship drop off in use in the book of Acts. But since we see the term used during the initial stages of the church age, It's a viable term to use to refer to someone who is following Christ. We just simply need to define it in context. So we understand there's a transition in the concept of discipleship in the the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. He took a known concept, he changed it to what we see in the book of Acts. We we need to understand that there's there's a dispensational shift. Jesus is no longer present with his disciples physically. He is now present in all of his disciples spiritually. Big change there. Then the third thing I want to mention that we need to take into account if we want to study discipleship in in the context of the Bible, in the church age, we need to understand the twelve. The twelve disciples who became called the, the twelve apostles. And I'll just say it, and then I'll work through some of the more, more some of these aspects they're going to have what I'm going to say. It's just another one of these things that you may not have heard, and it might sound weird. But here it is. Using the twelve as a model for discipleship today is, at best, 
problematic. Okay, we need to mention this simply because the vast majority of materials that you can buy today on discipleship, they're based on what we would call the Great Commission found at the end of the Gospels and based on the ministry of Jesus to the Twelve. Folks, the Twelve followed Jesus around physically for three years. That was not the norm for the vast majority of disciples back then. Now, we're not even talking about after Acts chapter 2. I want you to focus on Jesus' ministry while he was on earth. The twelve followed him around. The, The majority of the other disciples did not. You see in Acts chapter 1, right after the ascension of Jesus Christ, it mentions 120 disciples. So let's just say there was 120 disciples back during his his earthly ministry. Obviously, there was more than 120, but let's just say there was 120. We have 12 who followed Jesus Christ around all the time. The 120? They didn't. So to, to focus only on the 12 and say that is Jesus Christ, model of discipleship is completely out of biblical context. That's not even the form of discipleship during the ministry of Jesus Christ to the majority of his disciples. And nor is it the the, the norm for discipleship after Acts chapter 2. There's not a one of us that follows Jesus Christ like the twelve followed Jesus Christ. The model of the 12 is an example of what we call today leadership development. That's it, folks. It's not discipleship. Or if you want to include it in discipleship, it's a, it's a special part of discipleship because it's leadership development. It's not normal discipleship. It's not normal discipleship in Christ's ministry. It's not normal discipleship in the church age. It's not normal discipleship. The 12 in their training under Jesus does not give a good example of biblical discipleship. It just doesn't. The 12 in their training are better models of how to develop leaders who will replace their leader in order to carry on their leader's ministry in their leader's absence. It's the same example and pattern that we see in Paul's ministry. Paul always had a missionary team that traveled with him. Like Jesus had his twelve, Paul had his Timothy, his Luke, his Titus, these people who traveled with him, and that's not a pattern of discipleship. It's a pattern of leadership development. 2 Timothy 2.2 is not a discipleship verse. 2 Timothy 2.2 is a leadership development verse. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, whom Paul established as the senior pastor of the local church in Ephesus, he says, Timothy, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What's Paul telling him? Reproduce yourself and other leaders so those leaders can take over the work when you're gone. That's what Paul did in Timothy. Folks, the concept of discipleship in the Bible is much more broad and inclusive than this pattern of focused personal work in future leaders. The Twelve. They are not a model for discipleship today. They are a 
wonderful model for leadership development. Discipleship is much more broad. Discipleship is much more inclusive. Discipleship is much more general. There's also a very Jewish nature to the ministry of the Twelve and the commission that Jesus Christ gave him after his resurrection. And yeah, we'll speak more about that later too. But just take into account, as we look for a definition of disciple in the Scripture, think about these two things. Observation and context. We start with observation. What does the Bible say? We open up the book. What does the Bible say? We need to work very, very hard at not leaping ahead to interpretations based on our presuppositions. Folks, we have heard about discipleship and disciples and making disciples and my disciple and your disciple. We have heard that I don't know how many times over how many years. We have presuppositions already in our minds when we go to the Bible to talk about discipleship. And we need to work hard at simply observing what the Bible says, allowing God through his word to speak with authority. And when we do that, we need to establish the context of every passage. Where does the passage fit in the progressive revelation of Scripture, and in the transition that was taking place at that time in history. With those two things in mind, observation and context, with, with the three things that I mentioned, transition and dispensation in the twelve, it will help us, those, will, those things, those three things will help us establish the context. But with this idea of just observing the Bible in context, with that in mind, Let's just take a look at what the Bible says about disciples. If discipleship is our mission, we need to know, first of all, what a disciple is, and then what one looks like. So what is a disciple? Here we go. Are you ready? This is one of those crazy, deep, difficult-to-understand theological concepts. Yes, this is Theology 101, and I am Internet Theologian. Facebook theologian, YouTube theologian, basement theologian, Greg Kudrowski. You ready with your pencils, your pens? You're going to write this down? A disciple in the church age is a Christian. Yep, that's it. A disciple in the church age is a Christian. A Christian is a disciple. The terms are synonymous in the book of Acts. I know, I've said it before, it's Theology 101. It ain't that difficult. Disciples are not some special class of really, really committed Christians. When I got saved, folks, back in 1988, I was in college. And I got plugged into the uh, college, the university ministry called the Navigators. They did wonders for me. I love that group. They got me grounded in Scripture and Bible memory and Bible study, and it was motivating. It was good fellowship. God used the navigators in my life a lot. But we understood this concept that there's believers, and then there are disciples. And disciples are the really, really committed Christians. Now, whether the navigators taught me that or whether that was just something I got by myself, I don't know. And I'm not blaming the navs. Like I said... That group was wonderful for me. When I got saved at the age of 22 in college, 
Um, I'm very, very thankful I had that group at that time. And so God used the Navigators in my life, but while I was in the Navigators, I had this idea that disciples were a class of really, really committed Christians. But that's wrong. Look, Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Very, very famous passage, Acts eleven twenty-six. The members of the church in Antioch. And Antioch becomes Paul's missionary home base. It's the center of Paul's missionary work out among the Gentiles. The church of Antioch becomes basically an example for us today in the church age of what we ought to be doing as, as local churches. And the members of the church at Antioch, they were disciples. They're called disciples, but then they were also called Christians. The Bible says in Acts eleven twenty six, when he had found him, he brought him, Paul, brought Paul to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And it says the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. A disciple is a follower. We've said this before. It's a lifestyle apprentice, if you want to think it that way. So a disciple is a follower. Those who follow Christ, his disciples, are Christians. It's kind of like calling someone a Buddhist if they follow Buddha. He's a Buddhist. Well, I follow Christ, so I'm a Christian. So when the gospel's preached and people are converted to faith in Christ, the new converts, you know what they're called? Disciples. New Christians, new converts, all of them in the book of Acts. Not just some select few who are really, really committed. No, everybody. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. Acts 14, 21 and 22. When they had preached the gospel to that city, now, Paul's out, he's on his missionary journeys, he's out preaching the gospel in different cities. He preached the gospel of that city, and he taught many. They returned again to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, confirming the souls of who? The disciples, and exhorting them to continue in the faith that they must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. They preached the gospel, and they confirmed the souls of the disciples. The preaching of the gospel, evangelism, results in disciples. Why? Because they're new converts. They're Christians. Christians are disciples. Disciples are Christians. We're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Evangelism results in new converts, and those new converts in the Bible are called disciples. New followers of Jesus Christ, disciples, they're just new Christians. They're people who are following Christ to learn of him, to be like him in character and conduct. So a disciple, according to the Bible, is a sinner who has repented, believed, and has been regenerated by God. Let's, let's think about each one of those three terms. Each of these three elements is necessary in our age, the church age, for someone to be a disciple. But it's also how someone becomes a Christian. Repentance, faith, regeneration. First, repentance is necessary for salvation. It's necessary for becoming a disciple. You're not a Christian without repentance. Look, by definition, a disciple is somebody who follows a master in order to be like him. We've read uh, Luke 6.40 a lot, so I'm going to read a parallel passage, Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Matthew 10, 24 and 25, the Bible says, A disciple is not above his master nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple 
that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. So that's a disciple, is somebody who's following a master to be like him. And a sinner that does not repent, he's not following the Lord Jesus Christ. A sinner who does not repent is still following another master, sin and self. He's not following the Lord. And so if a sinner doesn't repent, he's not the Lord's disciple. He's not a Christian. Acts chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. This is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul said, And how I kept nothing, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you, and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we become Christians, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says in, in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you don't repent, you will perish. That's Luke 13.3. Jesus said, I tell you, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Repentance is necessary for salvation. Repentance is necessary to be a disciple. Repentance is necessary to be a Christian. It's the same thing. Secondly, faith. Faith is also necessary for salvation for becoming a disciple. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You're saved through faith. We're saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. In Romans 4, 5, Paul says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Without faith in Christ, a person is not a disciple of the Lord, because obviously he's not following the Lord, rather he's following something or someone else. If the sinner is not trusting in and following the Savior, he's trusting in and following something or someone else. We repent of our sins, we turn from sin and self, and we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, and we follow him repentance, and faith. And thirdly, in our age, a disciple is made, a disciple is created by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 4, and 5. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So God places the conditions upon our salvation. If we want to be saved, we have to repent of our sins and place our faith and trust in Christ. But with both repentance and faith, when we turn from sin to the Lord, that's when we get salvation. Salvation comes when God forgives us of our sins and regenerates us by His Spirit.
a regenerated sinner, a born-again believer, becomes a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. He's a Christian. So if we don't have a proper and biblical concept of what a disciple is, we won't have a proper and biblical concept of what a Christian is. And that's one of the main reasons our churches are full of believers who don't follow Christ. Why would that be? That you could have a church, a local church, full of people who have no interest whatsoever in reading and learning the Bible to apply what it says to their lives in practical ways. Well, I would venture to say that your church is full of people who may believe in Jesus Christ, but who have never repented and trusted in him to be regenerated. A disciple is a Christian. A Christian is a disciple. If you are not a disciple, don't call yourself a Christian because the Bible doesn't, at least not in the church age. The terms disciple and Christian are used synonymously in the book of Acts. In order to be saved, to be a Christian, one must be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. He must have turned from sin to Christ. Every Christian is a disciple. Not just some really, really committed spiritual elite in the church. Every Christian is a disciple. Every disciple is a Christian. It's because of this that I said discipleship is a far more broad concept than we see in the training of the Twelve. In the training of the Twelve, we have a model of leadership development. And yes, that is something that's exclusive for some really, really committed spiritual elite. We need leaders like that. They are specially gifted by God, set apart by God as members of the body of Christ. They're different. They're going to be the pastors and teachers. They're going to be the prophets, the preachers. They're going to be the missionaries. They're going to be the evangelists that train the rest of us saints in the work of evangelism. They're a really, really committed special elite. But disciples? Every disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a Christian is. A Christian follows Christ to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a disciple. Discipleship, therefore, is much more than a program at church. It's much more than a set of lessons that you read through. It's much more than some specific ministry at your church that you have among other options at the church activities. Because a disciple is a Christian and a Christian is a disciple, discipleship is simply the normal Christian life. Did you get that? If a disciple is a Christian and a Christian is a disciple, then discipleship is a term that just refers to the Christian life because it refers to the process that a disciple goes through, that all born-again Christians go through in order to grow in Christ-likeness. Now, here's why it's important. And I think I've mentioned these two verses, I don't know how many times already, as we've just begun this series over discipleship. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 40. It defines discipleship. And then Romans 8, 29, we see the same discipleship concept, but in other terminology. Luke 6.40 says, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Discipleship is about the disciple becoming like his master. It is about the disciple, the follower of Jesus Christ, becoming like Jesus Christ in character and conduct. Paul says the very same thing without using the term disciple or discipleship in Romans 8.29. He says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The disciple shall be as his master, the Christian shall be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Folks, discipleship today is just living a life as a committed Christian, to learn of Christ and be like Him. Now, here's a practical application. We're getting ready to finish up for for this podcast. We're going to continue the study of disciple in the next podcast. But let me just say this as a way to wrap this up and put some feet on these ideas and make it practical. Everything we do as individual Christians or as Christian churches, everything we do to grow in Christ is discipleship. It's like, it's like Peter said in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. When you spend time alone with the Lord in your daily Bible reading and prayer, you are participating in discipleship. When you go to church on Sunday and you listen to the sermon from your pastor, you are being discipled. When you do a specific Bible study alone, one-on-one, in a small group, online, is something extra outside your daily devotional time, you are doing the work of a disciple. Discipleship. Everything that we could do in evangelism, everything that we could do in edification, everything that we could do to be saved and be edified in Christ, or everything that we could do to lead someone to salvation or to help someone grow in Christ is discipleship. I have a buddy of mine who preaches the gospel on a CB radio. I want you to think about that. Who uses CB radios? I mean, I know truckers do, but I mean, most people don't even know what a CB radio is. What's he doing? He's sowing the seed of the gospel, evangelizing. He's participating in the work of being a disciple and making disciples. Fulfilling his life's mission. He does other things, obviously. He preaches in churches. He preaches on the street. I mean, he's a great example of a committed believer. He's very consistent. But just think about that. 
Everything we do in evangelism and edification is discipleship. Discipleship is much more than just another activity at church. Discipleship is just not a a new members class. Discipleship is not some academic program that really, really committed Christians participate in. And discipleship is most certainly not, most certainly not, some course of study that when you finish the materials, you get some certificate that shows you finished discipleship. You've been discipled. Come on. Seriously. The finished product of discipleship, according to the Bible, is a saved sinner who is completely conformed to the image of Christ in both character and conduct. And you're going to tell me you got a little certificate that says you finished discipleship and you've been discipled? Not according to the Bible. You'll finish discipleship when I finish discipleship. In the day of Jesus Christ, when he gives us both glorified bodies. Until then, discipleship is the normal Christian life. Discipleship is a life of a disciple following his Lord. Thanks for spending your time listening to my podcast, Theology 101. Simple is better, and it's just not that difficult to learn the Bible so we can do what it tells us. You can find the rest of my studies in English out on my website, theology101.net. And if you do Spanish, tengo más de 15 años de estudios bíblicos disponibles en mi sitio web, teología101.net. If you'd like to contact me, there's a contact page on my website. You're also more than welcome to visit me any Sunday that you wish. My church information is also out on my website. Remember what Nicholas von Zinzendorf always said, preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. Learn the Bible, do what it tells you, and come back for more Theology 101.